Hey, Rena. Hey, Kim. Happy Sunday. Happy recording day. Happy recording days. This is actually like one of my favorite times of the week, I have to say. Well, you know what's funny? Um, I actually was I was just texting a friend and she was just feeling really down about just like, I guess it's 2020 and, you know, where she is with her career and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I was in that position as well. And then Sundays came along. This podcast came along um, and my talks with Rena. And we started just having chats about, you know, being super supportive and where you want to be with your goals, just, you know, life in general. And it has made a huge difference just personally already. Aww. Aw, Kim, that's like, that's genuinely so nice. Like, you know, we just launched our first episode last week, right? This is our, you know, re-recording of our second episode because we realized that we had recorded this very important episode you know like what two or three months ago um but it's it's just so nice to hear that because I also agree like I think it's so great that we have a platform to talk about ourselves and our careers and hopefully our listeners also feel the same way when they you know listen to us and walk away so thanks for sharing that yeah no and when we we stop recording this I'll actually send you you know a nice little message that I I put out there because I genuinely think it is so important to have these conversations, not with us, mm-hmm. with anyone. You could you could have mm-hmm. this conversation with anyone. And that's the point, right? So yeah. in this particular episode, because we did this three months ago, we just want to put in context. It's the end of 2020. It's been a dumpster fire of a year. <laughs> but uh, you have a story and you you mentioned this in the episode. What's your story? Yeah, everybody has a story and everybody can rewrite their story. They have an old story, a current story and their next story. And Mm -hmm. 2021 could be another new story, right? Like you are, as cliche as this sounds, you are the author of your own life. Mm -hmm. Goddamn. So So, um, hopefully you as our listener can... Um, Find some inspiration from this episode on careers and rewrite your career story if you, I mean, you don't need to if you already have a fantastic one. But, you know, for those that are thinking, hmm, I really, you know, feel like I can turn it around. We hope that this kind of serves as a good source of inspiration. Let's just get right into it. Guys, listen, (laughs) listen, listen to the stories. And again, you don't have to like our story. In fact, you can stop listening right here if you really wanted to. stop. I mean, we... don't obviously but (laughs) (laughs) the point is we are sharing our stories so you can discover or really reflect on your own yeah and we want to be your hype woman as well so bam i don't know how to throw that so let's just throw it to the episode (laughs) i'm kimberly and i'm reyna And we're each other's hype women, and we're obsessed with each other's aspirations, boardrooms, and goals. Join us as we talk about our experiences of unfucking up our lives, Asian identities, careers, and just life in general. We can be your hype women as well. Welcome to Obsessed with ABGs, Aspirations, Boardrooms, and Goals. So it's already Christmas season over here. It's, it's so crazy. funny because my cousins who are in the Philippines, they were mentioning that all the Christmas stuff is already up since September. <gasps> since September? Yeah. Like the Filipinos love Christmas. Like they <laughs> love Christmas. When I 
took my husband uh, last year. This is before the pandemic, obviously, when we were allowed to travel. We got there in December and it was like it was like Christmas puked all over the streets. And wow. yeah, my cousin's like, no, it's been like that since since like forever. Like it's been like months, like the last three, four months has been nothing but Christmas. The, the question is, do they even take it down? Is it just Christmas all year round? I, at that point, I was like, why bother taking it down? Right. Yeah. Like I still have my Christmas lights up. They're not Christmas colors, though. OK, yeah. I, that's that's good for like the twinkly lights kind of thing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, yeah look exactly. At my rustic vintage light set up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> look at my Instagrammable living room. Exactly. So, yeah, Christmas is a big thing. So it's interesting to know that in Germany, it's just as as epic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I so I had my first um, glue vine yesterday, the mulled wine, the hot mulled red wine i love Delicious. that stuff oh so you know, like it okay it's a hit and miss for some people Ooh, yeah they have like white uh the white wine version and you can even put tequila in it if you want like you can do the whole thing so this is so fascinating with your you know career and as we're gonna get into this too today's episode mm -hmm. uh your change from going from toronto to germany and appalling your uh life your career uh, it's so fascinating, and I think people would find that very interesting of how you were able to do that. So let's, if you know, if you want to, let's let's get right into it. Would you like to explain to the audience what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. So today we're going to explore our careers, how we got to our careers, what was our career before, like basically what's our old story and what's our new story. What's the story we're living now? And, you know, I love that you asked me, but I actually want to ask you first, Kim, because, you know, this is a podcast that we're doing together. And this is actually also your bread and butter. You've been a podcast producer for how many years now? So I've been in, in production for about three years, a proper producer for two. And when I made the jump from marketing originally. Um, OK, so let's just I'm going to start from the beginning then. Yeah, Tales please. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when I had started my career, when we had just graduated from U of T in, in 2010, oh God, 2010, I had went into, I know, don't even get me started. We are really <laughs> dating ourselves. Um, mm. We, or well, I had moved into a marketing role. I was a marketing coordinator at a B2B company. And I was very fortunate because it was a great place to learn. I was allowed to grow and make mistakes and um, it was a, a really good environment. Yeah. Like, I think if you have the opportunity to start at a place where you can wear many hats, that is, I think, a, in the beginning of your career, it's such a great way to grow and learn, especially if you're in your early, early 20s. I was 21 and I was in charge of like CRMs. I was in charge of like our target marketing, our SEO. After that, I had just cultivated a, a following. I went in and started working for other companies as like a side gig. Uh, and then one of my clients had turned into a full-time job, like benefits and all this other stuff that I really wanted. Wow. And that was about five years into my career, six years into my career. And then I was there. I thought I was going to be there temporarily. And here's the thing. I think this is a lot of people can identify with. Some people get into the Oh, this is nice. This is comfortable. Yeah. Like, oh my God, benefits. This is fantastic. I'm like, this is great. And and if you're in Toronto, free parking is really hard to come by in 
It's true. And so like, here you are, free parking. You're like, what? Was that a selling point for you? It really was. Like parking in Toronto is really expensive. If you're like a big city, you know, like think about day parking. But also it was just close to home. And at this time, my then partner, now husband, we just got engaged. So what was supposed to be a temporary thing for me to figure out what I wanted to do and, you know, it turned into a full-time job. So I scaled back from my own business. I took on maybe one or two clients, stayed at this company. Very nice people, lovely people. Nothing, nothing wrong with that is just not why I envisioned my career. It wasn't mm. the industry I had envisioned for myself. It was more hospitality based. And I, I wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I have always wanted to go into media. And as we mentioned before, I don't know if we had mentioned it, but I was a radio DJ back in college. I did college radio. You were, yeah. <laughs> I did college radio for uh, two, three years when we were in university. And I always loved media. I was interviewing, um, you know, like indie artists. You know, I had a, a co-host who was fantastic and, you know, taught me a lot about music. Uh, and I really liked to produce and create content and tell stories. Uh, that was the whole thing I was really passionate about. And I think it was such a good extension of our program that we were doing, right? We were doing communication and media studies, and you were actually, you know, kind of doing the application side of it. So can I tell a funny story for all the audience? Yes, absolutely. Ray and I were in a writing class together. Yes, yes. Yes. And one of the projects that we had to do was create a podcast, a video, uh, a news audio kind of story, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. like CBC NPR style storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And we that we have, oh my God, I really hope that our stuff is not floating about online. They're awful. But it was great for us to learn. And, and this is kind of what I was passionate about. And that's how Raina and I, like, that was one of our, our first classes together. Yeah, it was. Did you actually make a podcast in that class? Yeah. What yeah. was it called? Oh my God. What was it? It was like, Oh, this is so embarrassing. Geekology 101. <laughs> and what was it on? I talked about superhero. Like I talked about the fandomonium. Like episode one was talking about like comic book geeks. The next was like the analysis of nerds versus geeks. And like, <gasps> yeah, that was that was when we were students. And then I've always held on to that, even as a, a pro, mm. quote unquote professional. Um, and my industry, the, the clients that I had were from real estate to um healthcare to mortgages, print finishing. I had clients in like really obscure, like different, different places, but it wasn't the stuff that I wanted to talk about. It wasn't like storytelling. Mm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And before we get into the storytelling part, I'm super curious, you know, when you were in this first marketing job, you know, this like full-time job, but you said that you started to get clients on the side, right? Yeah, yeah. And at what point did you realize I want to set up my own shop? Like, I don't think that's a great you know, question. I don't think every person working a full time job automatically thinks I'm going to do this also on the side. Like, how did you get to that? You know what? And this is this is actually this will go to the people you surround yourselves with is very important. I mm. had um, friends who just asked me questions. Can you do this? I have someone looking for. Uh, a designer here, they're looking to rehaul their website and they're looking to increase their traffic. Is this something you do? And I networked. I, I don't want to say I networked hard because it wasn't a conscious effort to network. But in, yeah. in, in the traditional sense, yes, it was networking. It was saying yes to opportunities and surrounding yourself with people who wanted you to succeed and gave you opportunity. And I wow, think that's huge. 
yeah, I, I think that's that's important for if you're listening to this um, and you feel like, oh, I don't know where to start. Ask the people around you. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyone. Some of these people weren't even like super close friends. But they knew what you were doing and they thought that they could trust you enough to do something for them. Right. One hundred percent. You know, some of them were clients of the company, like vendors that mm. I was just, you know, like. IT support, for example, you're talking to them. How? How are you day? Da, 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 da. And you talk to them so often enough on like one problem to another problem that you become regulars. Um, so there, are, I'm sure there are people out there who have vendors that you talk to um, or clients that, you know, you you borderline feel like friends or you're comfortable. You don't have to be best friends. We're not doing Thanksgiving together, but you're <laughs> comfortable together. Talk to them, ask them. And I think that's part of I identify that's a skill that I have is that I'm really good at just chatting strangers up. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And you're really good at telling your story because, you know, you can be friends with your, you know, custodian or clients, but you probably also need to be really good at talking about what you do. And even if you weren't selling your skills and your services, they probably thought like, wow, she's really good at what she does. I wonder if she can do this also for me, also on the side. Exactly. So you created that like relationship from scratch. I think we're always creating relationships. I think you can't go through life without creating a relationship of and their degrees, right? Some are closer than others. But even talking to a telemarketer on the phone, that is a relationship that you're trying to get rid of. <laughs> 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 but that I'm is just so- going to say, mm, <laughs> yes, good differentiation. But it's a relationship. The moment you talk to someone, you've entered in some sort of conversation, right? And the moment you, yeah, you talk to someone, point. yeah, you're always talking to someone. Even those who are like, I'm an introvert. I don't talk to anyone. That's impossible. You go out grocery shopping. You, you know, you have to. That's unfair because there are some people who are genuinely probably have some sort of phobia. But I'm saying if you go about your life, you are bound to talk to someone. So you're saying that I have a relationship with like the bakery owner with whom I practice my very poor German and he probably has to like deal with it. But that's still a relationship. One hundred percent. Because (laughs) no, that is a relationship because you are this is your relationship to practice your German. That is a teacher relationship. Yeah. And to them, your relationship is you're buying bread from me. Therefore, you're my customer. Is that not a relationship Mm, at the end of the day? Point. Good point. I'm sorry, my baker, for my poor German. I'm sure you're not listening to this, but... Uh, is your German getting a lot better through that relationship? Um, I can order more bread now. Well, see, and that's, that, that's more bread than what you could have ordered a year ago. True. Thank you for championing me. Yes, true. This is, this is why we're but yes, okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, but we're getting sidetracked, so... The point is, is that, you know, I've had really good relationships around me, um, you included. For some people like, oh, is this some sort of epiphany that you had in your head? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes your friends will ask you, how's work? And if your first reaction is to say, I fucking hate it, then you should listen to your voice. You should listen Mm -hmm. to that little voice. And there are moments, not to say I went to that extreme, but there are moments where Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't love it. Mm -hmm. I don't love Mm -hmm. my job. So was there like a particular instance in your job where you were like, I need to go back to school to, you know, study radio broadcasting? So after my third, my second, third career, where I was a client that, you know, my hospitality job, my marketing job, Mm -hmm. that was my moment. I was there for four years, way longer, way longer. I was there with my client for six months. Then I was there for three and a half years. 
a full time. So that escalated very quickly. It escalated and it it got to a point where I said, this is not what I want to do. I remember Mm. vividly, I was making a poster for an event that was happening. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Mm. Why am I? It was not what I was. This is not my my shtick. It turned it it escalated into something that is not what I wanted. And it was like one of those, you know, we keep taking things on and on and people give you things and and you just become the go-to person. And you're like, how Mm -hmm. did that happen? That's what Mm -hmm. happened to me. I was like, I don't make posters. Like, that's not my thing. What happened? Like, so I, uh, yeah, I I remember having this clear conversation with you. I'm like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. Yeah. I think we're just going to leave. I think we're going to (laughs) quit. Yeah. And that sounds such a privilege and bratty things to say. But at this point, I had gotten married. I had bought a Mm -hmm. home. Mm-hmm. You know, this job had served its purpose for me. And I just was like, I still felt like I, you know, eh, eh, this is not what I want to do. So yeah. I look back into what, what is it that I love? What is it that brings me fulfillment? What are the things that I need to have in my career? Not necessarily money, not necessarily, you know, um, you know like they weren't tangible things. They were just like, what do I need to do? And for me, it was to talk to people, tell stories, um, at this time, I was listening to podcasts heavily. I had gotten a life coach and mm-hmm. all these things collectively. I was like, what am I waiting for? So the more podcasts I was listening to, the more stories I was listening to. I was like, I want to do this. I love yeah. podcasts. I love at that point. I was listening to like seven podcasts a day, which is ridiculous. Um, That's a lot of time. There's a lot. It was just always in the background. <laughs> Instead of music, I was listening to just podcasts and some mm-hmm. of them not like a full hour, but I listen to like 15 mm-hmm. minutes of a story here and then just like cycle through what's what's new. Um, and I was like, people are making a career out of this. At this time, Gimlet had just formed, right? So when I looked into it, I was like, how do I do this? How do I get into this? I don't really know how to edit. I don't really know how to record. I know like the very baseline things. I don't know how to get into this industry. So literally I Googled radio broadcasting I saw a program that come up online. It was a one-year program. I looked at the price. I'm like, bomb, I could do that one year. Um, I I emailed the coordinator. I'm like, what does this program need? Can I still work a full-time job? Can I still, what are, here's my situation. Can I feasibly Mm -hmm. do this? And Mm -hmm. then I took a step back and asked my current employer at the time, I want to go back to school. What do I need to do? What do you need me to do so that I could go back to school and still fulfill everything I can have here? So got to the point where we struck a deal. I would work 25 to 30 hours a week, like more than part time under full time. But Mm -hmm. I also went on Saturdays. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I went on Saturdays to work so then I could go to my classes or I would do work in the morning and then drive straight from the office to my program. Uh, I did that for one year. And then that one year, there was internship opportunities. I got to be on air. We had a a radio show um, on campus. It was also very weird because I was one of the older people in that class. But the fact that, like, you asked for it, you know, like, you had this maybe not an epiphany because it was kind of, like, gradual over time. But, like, you had this idea and then you asked for it by emailing that coordinator at that college. You asked to your work how you can be flexible because I want to do this like you really put the ask in you did the work (sighs) it is it is a lot of work it is you have to want it like you have to want to make this change um but at the same time I'm very privileged again that I had an employer who was supportive 
Mm-hmm. I was privileged to have a husband who can help support and we could afford to cut back those hours because I acknowledge that not all families can lose 10 hours of work time. Yeah, that's right. True. For Good some point. people, that's a full shift. That's how many dollars per hour that they're losing, mm-hmm. hours per day. So, yes, I worked really hard, but I don't I don't necessarily believe that was feasible for me had I been in a different situation. You know, and this all goes to the going back to like my my point is that you have to ask and see what's available to you. You have to see what your resources are. You know, for some people, going back to school is just not an option. You can't even afford mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. I, and here's where I got my privilege really lined out for me. Um, at this time, uh, there was a strike that was happening at our school. Oh, so we were off for about a month. Not many people could afford to just lose a month of school. Um, and some people are like, how am I going to get that money back? Uh, and I was like, I'm still working. I'm so I'm okay for money. So it wasn't like I was hurting there. I just put more hours in at work. Not many people had that. Mm-hmm. I was very conscious of that. And also going back to school was an expense for a lot of students who had just done undergrad or had so much money in school debt that I didn't have. I was out of school at that point by eight years. I was out of school for eight years. I had already paid mm-hmm. off my student loan. And you know, that's another privilege that I have. I didn't have school debt. Neither did my partner. Mm-hmm. So all those things is a privilege that I own and accept. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, everyone has some sort of access to something. Mm-hmm. So I, it was for me identifying what is it in my life, at least. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's feasible? What's realistic? What can I do in my control? What's possible for me? Exactly. How do I make it happen in the way that I can make it happen? Exactly. I don't think many people, uh, I don't want people listening to this be like, oh, sure, yeah, you had a relationship. You had, you know, a roof over your head. You were secure. Uh, yeah, I was. 100%. 100%. There's no, no doubt about that. But at the same time, you know, are you willing to work and do school at the same time? Work on your Saturdays? right? Pick up and still keep working. Are you are you in a place where you do have access to an education, right? What, how else yeah. can you learn if, if it's not? If, what are the free things online? Before I went to school, I had learned a lot of my production stuff from YouTube. So when I, when mm. I was in the classroom, all of this was like easy peasy to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You had already put in the work outside. Yeah. And, and you know, like this reminds me when you had just I think maybe it was around the time you finished school. I was talking to a friend and um, he was, you know, kind of bored in his job. And he was like, yeah, I don't really want to be in this job, but I'm in it. And I said, oh, okay. And this is just like a casual conversation, right? And I was like, well, what would you rather be doing? And he was like, I love, I don't know what sports team it was, but he was like, I love this kind of sport. And like, I would love to be a radio DJ talking about these sports. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, is that something that like you've been wanting for a while? And he said, yeah, I actually, it was my dream to be like a radio announcer or a, you know, radio um, person. Yeah. From when I was little. And I was like, wow, like what, you know, did you do ever do anything about that? And he was like, no, why? And I said, why? Like, what do you mean? Like, did you ever think to like explore that dream? And this was even before I became a coach. This was just like me as a friend, like kind of asking him all these questions. And he started to get really defensive. You know, he was like, well, you know, I'm a husband and I have a wife and my wife is pregnant and I need to provide for my family. So like, why would I ever think to do anything like that? And I said, okay, well, I I see where you're coming from. I don't know why you're getting defensive, but, 
you know, you say that you're in a job that you don't love and like you would rather be doing this. You know, I actually have a friend. Her name is Kim. And she was also kind of like you where she was in a job that she wasn't like really fully enjoying and so decided to go back to school and pursue her dream. And she was and then the, literally the thing he said was, yeah, but she's a woman. And I was like, hold up. Like, what does that mean? And he was like, well, I'm the man. I have to provide for my family. And I said, who who decided that? Like, who told you that? And I was like, your wife works full time, too. He's like, so? And and I said, well, you know, why why does it matter that my friend is a woman? And he was like, well, the husband, I'm sure he's not pursuing his dream. And, you know, he can go and keep working and she can go back to school. Um, I don't have that. When I had started my career, like I said, I started my career very early in my life. My husband was doing his master's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was doing his master's. Uh, and so for the time, I was one of the major, I won't say I made significantly more than him, but I was, and before he even went to his master's, he had went back and did a victory lap at, at university. So he did an extra, he had graduated, but he went back and did some extra courses in his undergrad. I was already working. So I had I was the one who was really helping with with paying for stuff. Granted, again, you know, it wasn't like I was making an absorbent amount of money. But yeah, I was I was the one who was in her career before he was. So that's really funny that you're calling me that assumption. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, a, kind of like a double standard conversation. But I, I think the the moral of the story is that, you know, he just had set up so many roadblocks for himself where he was like, well, I have to provide for my family. I can't go back to school. I can't ever pursue that dream. And then I give him an example of someone who has and he just got really defensive and that's frustrated. Un that's unfortunate because it was at the end of the day, that was himself getting in the way. Yeah, because I actually then asked him, well, what if your wife said that she wanted to go and pursue what she wanted to do? And he was like, well, I guess she could. And I was like, well, why can't you do that yourself, too? And he was like, well, because I'm a man and I can't do that. It, here's, here's the thing. and I, I really hope that we can actually touch on this. As Asian women, there is an expectation on us, either from either from a gender or cultural. There is an expectation. I had this conversation with her husband, actually. We were talking about being Filipino and, or, and then being a teacher and a producer, because mm -hmm. he's a teacher and uh, of course I'm the producer and what our family thinks of that because what Filipino family is like I envision my children to be in these careers said no one ever <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's so true. interesting hearing from your colleague being like no I'm a man I need to provide and not thinking about well what happens if she could provide or what if she was in the one encouraging you to pursue her dreams or what if she wanted to pursue her dreams mm -hmm. it's like he didn't bother challenging those norms and i think those are the roadblocks we set ourselves up for because yeah. sometimes it's not about yeah. money or privilege sometimes you're like well because i'm a man and i have to provide lots of question marks there but you also touched on a great point on fulfillment right mm -hmm. like who said he had to go back and be a radio dj to find fulfillment yeah Exactly. I mean, I think that's ultimately what he wants. But if that really is unrealistic, because, you know, let's say his wife wasn't working, and maybe he did have to work full time. So then I totally get that, right? It Maybe going back to school mm -hmm. wasn't feasible. But then if that is this fulfillment that he really wants to work on, what other ways are there for him to be able to do that? Yeah. You know, like, is there like a 
a volunteer position or can he, I don't know, listen to podcasts on creating podcasts? Can he watch YouTube videos? I, I don't know. Like maybe Create it's something channel. like- Yeah, exactly. Right? Like maybe it's something small like that, that may not 100% be like the dream that you wanted to achieve. But if you can even attain a little bit of it just to fulfill and honor that value that you're looking for, then that's better than nothing. And he said he liked to talk about sports, was it? He wants to be like yeah, something a, like that. Um, yeah. Sports? Well, then yeah. maybe he just wants to talk sports. Why don't you just find a club? Like, you know, like a sports yeah. club. Like, if you just want to talk about your ideas, like some people start a blog. Yeah. You know, what is yeah. it? Is it sports that you want to talk about? Like, I and I think that's what we need to assess. It's like, what is it at the end of the day that you need? Is it that job or is it the things they're doing in this job? Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the job? Is it the the status? Is it the money? Is it the experience? If I were to move careers, and I, at one point in this in this whole podcast, I might move careers and I might go back into marketing. At the end of the day, I want to consider myself a content creator. I want to create content. I want to tell mm -hmm. stories. That is what I want to do. So if I'm in a marketing job that allows me to do that, fantastic. This podcast that you and I are doing, this is this to me is like fulfilling the things that I need, the values that I need. So whether my career changes, am I still doing these things? Do I have these things in place? My title doesn't matter to me at the end of the day. So like six months from now, okay, I might be in a different role. I'm still, I'm still a content creator. That's what I need to do. Yes. And I think that's so good that you have clarity on what are the values that you mm -hmm. continue to want to honor. And I think that's you know, easier said than done to have clarity on your values. Yeah, that's And a that's privilege. one of the things, right? And that's one of the things that I work on with my clients, um, you know, in my coaching business. You know, we really spend a lot of time clarifying values because that's what brings you fulfillment. Those are values are things in your life that are um, non-negotiable. And, you know, maybe content creation itself, maybe that's not the value if you really break it down. Maybe it's like the the connection that you have with people. You know, maybe that's your value, but that's what I kind of do in my job as a coach. We like really break it down and and we want to live in alignment with those things, right? And that's what gives you fulfillment. Let's, let's talk about you for a second then. This is a big career change <laughs> for you because not only did you change careers, you changed continents. Yes, I did. Right. I did do that. So let's tell the audience what you're doing before and how you got to Germany and what you're doing mm, now. Yeah, yeah. This might so, be a long episode, guys. Well, <laughs> you're you guys have to listen. I, okay. So one of the skills that we have to develop as coaches is bottom lining. So I will try to bottom line my story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, we had done communications together at University of Toronto, and I went into a career of corporate communications actually at the university. And I hadn't envisioned myself working at in education at all. Like I literally just wanted the title communications coordinator. So just like you, I Googled communications coordinator. And the fourth hit on my Google search was this communications coordinator position for a faculty at the University of Toronto. And I was like, okay, cool. And I just like, applied, you know, miraculously got it. And then I started my career in corporate communications. And then in my work that I was doing at the university, the part that I loved the most was working with students. And 
then I realized, you know, two and a half years into that role, I was like, I want to move into a role where I get to work directly with students, not where I'm like talking to students through our Twitter and Facebook channels that I had created. So I kind of made this like a little bit of a pivot still within the university, but in a new job where I got to work directly with students. And so I had a total of three jobs at the university where I directly worked with students. And the most impactful one was my very last one where I was managing um, a global executive MBA program at the university. And I remember this so distinctly that um, this is actually a year and a half ago. So in March of 2019, I was sitting on this bus in Mumbai, in India. And it was, There's a picture I remember of this it. like, <laughs> yeah, actually, well, no, that's a picture of a train. I'm sure if I dug, there would be a picture from a bus. Oh, okay. But I remember so vividly that I was sitting on this bus with my student and all of my students, they're high up senior executives doing their you know, part-time MBA. And so many of these people already have these high statuses. They have a lot of money. They have great families and all of these things. And so the one particular student I was sitting next to, he had all of those things. And we're in sitting in traffic. There was like cattles in front of our bus and we're already late for our dinner. And we'd been sitting there for hours. And he just kind of started to like open up to me. He was like, you know, I love my job. I really love my family. I'm doing everything. I'm like a triathlon runner. I climb mountains and I love my kids. I have so much money. But why am I doing this MBA? And like, why is it? And I was like, well, why is that? And he started to kind of like really talk about, well, I feel like I don't have a purpose in life. I feel like I'm not really fulfilled in everything that I'm doing. Like, what is it that I want to do? And so by having this conversation with him, that's when I also had this realization of, holy shit, this is the part of the job that I love when mm. I get to actually talk to these individuals about their hopes and dreams and aspirations and values. And this is what I really love in my job. I mean, I did, of course, love being able to fly around the world with my students, mm -hmm. but I didn't love that I had to organize bus schedules and in, you know, three time zones and always be worried about what email is going to be in my inbox where students complaining about their online exam that they couldn't take because the proctor was missing mm. or, you know, all of these, you know, so many crises that I had to kind of deal with. Those weren't the things that like was really fulfilling me. It was these conversations that I was having with these students. So then the next day, um, coincidentally, my director of career services was on that trip with us. And I was talking to her and I said to her, I think I want to do what you do. Wow. And she said to me, I think you'd be great at it. And that was this realization that I want to become a career coach. And, you know, she actually is my mentor, Raka, you know, I think we'll have an episode where, you know, we interview her as well. And so that was in March of 2019. And then from that point on, I was like, okay, I want to become a career coach. But I also knew at that point that my husband, Joe, and I were moving um, out of Canada. I don't think we knew which country, but we knew that we were going to be moving for his job. So I started to self-study career coaching and you know, watched a lot of like LinkedIn learning videos. I had so many informational interviews. I met with people. I connected with people. I tried to like learn and, you know, um, talk to my mentor, Rakas, as much as I could. And fast forward a couple months later, 
my husband and I moved to the outskirts of Dusseldorf and I started working for an MBA school here as a career coach. And the way that that happened was that my mentor, Raka, was connected to my now current boss from an MBA conference from years ago. Wow. And so when I mentioned Raka, I actually am moving to Dusseldorf. She was like, I think I know someone at an MBA school. There. That's crazy. Yeah. In Germany. Again, like the, yeah. And like, again, it's like the power of like telling people what you want mm-hmm. and having these relationships, right? And so for my mentor, I don't think it was that much work to connect me with my current boss, but for me, it was huge. And so I had coffee with my current boss and we hit it off really well. And uh, then I had a formal interview after that, but then she decided to offer me a job as a, as a manager of her career center. Also, it was just beautiful timing that there was a position available at that time. But it was just this like beautiful coincidence um, of all these things. But what my current boss had also told me was that I, you have so much drive. You may not have had direct coaching experience, but you told me that you've read all these books. You've talked to all these people. You knew so much about everything there is to know about career coaching without actually having done it that I wanted to give you this, this opportunity. So she took a chance on me. Well, wait, just to take a pause there too for a second, not to, you know, yes, you were kind of green, but also you're, I mean, what you've done in the past was setting yourself up for here. Everything you've done from the beginning, it was an investment in other people's careers, whether it's an education, the program that you were coordinating for or you were managing in Toronto was for one of the best schools in the world. For MBAs, mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. for, you know, this is not some small time program. It's true. This is yeah. like you were, when you, when you see how hard you worked, all that were little stepping stones to make you successful here. I think, here, yeah, to you're right. You the, the school name does have value, right? Like that brand value. And again, like you, like I also, you know, recognize that there is so much privilege in, you know, me having had the opportunity to go to the University of Toronto and, you know, me getting a job at the university right after. And here's a funny story. When I first got my job at U of T, I had to go through a series of interviews and my boss didn't know that I wasn't Canadian until she made the offer to me. And I said to her, oh, by the way, with my contract, I'm going to send you my work permit. She's like, what now? I'm like, yeah, I'm on a work permit um, and uh, I'll be applying for my permanent residency. But, you know, I'm eligible, like legally, you know, allowed to work in Canada. So here's my visa. And she was like, I was not aware that you are not Canadian. And I was like, oh, is that a problem? She was like, "Mm, let me take this up with senior management. So she talked to them and they actually said to her like, oh, why can't we hire someone who's Canadian who's not going to have visa issues? Like, are we going to have to deal with that? And apparently my boss fought for me because she really wanted to hire me. And so I owe like my whole professional career to her, Althea. Thank you, Althea. But here's the funny story. When I got this job offer, I told, um, I guess now an acquaintance of mine from university that I got this job offer. And he he is a white man. He said to me, oh, you already got a job? Like you've only, like we literally graduated like, you know, last week, like you already have a job. And I said, yeah, like, you know, it's it's an amazing opportunity. And he was like, you know, you only got that job because you're an Asian woman, right? 
<sighs> and yeah, there was definitely that kind of pause. I was like, what? what? Uh? And he was like, yeah, like, you know how hard it is for me as a white man to get a job today because of people like you? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know what to say. I, he was like, yeah, this is affirmative action. That's the only reason you got this job. And I was like, yeah, I was just speechless. If we were two white guys, he wouldn't say anything. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't say anything. Yeah. So, and he was just so frustrated that I had gotten a job earlier than him. And it wasn't like you guys were up for the same job either. Like it had no. nothing to do with him. No, 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 exactly. And, you know, I had done three unpaid internships during university, which again, I hustled, but I also had the privilege to, to be able to do these unpaid internships, right? Like I had the time, my parents paid for my education for me. So I had the time, but I knew that because I was an international student, because I wasn't a minority, because I'm a woman, I have to hustle even more than other people. Yep. So I, you know, I'd like to think that I did put in the work and that's why I got this job. But for him, he was like, nope, it's just because you're an Asian woman. And that really irked me. That's like so insulting for someone to just be like, oh, no, you here's a diversity hire. Yeah. And, and yeah. Again, not to say that that doesn't happen in life, because I totally understand that, you know, some there are, there are many companies that probably do that without realizing it. Uh, yeah. But at the same time. Like you to discredit someone's hard work and to discredit someone who deserved that job, who worked really hard for it based on knowing nothing. You're like, yeah. what? How can you say? And to say that so boldly, we can I never. Know. Can you imagine us saying that to like oh, yeah. a white man being like, you got that job because you're white. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. I have done that in the past. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're to your husband? Yes. <laughs> But, like, um, <laughs> recognizing that privilege, recognizing that, like, you know, the diversity, it's so, in, in, it's important, but I don't know, like, the way that he asked it. But, like, like, it just, it makes me mad because, like, you, you got the job despite it being more complicated for the employers. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, that's how bad they wanted you. Like, they yeah. could have been like, oh, this is going to be really messy to hire someone who's not, quote, unquote, Canadian, you know, where yeah. we have to do it a little extra step for. But they're like, no, you are hardworking. You are fantastic. You are the right person for this job. And like yeah. they went above and beyond to make sure like they could secure you. That yeah. is not and that like, is not the device. This is not a check mark to being a female Asian. Yeah, they could have easily made up any other reason and told me, sorry, we're going to go with someone else. For us as, as Asian women, people don't want to talk about people feel very uncomfortable talking about the race and gender card in careers. I think they don't want to factor that in. And I do think in a lot of self-help books and self-help resources, those are now conversations that we're having in 2020, but not something you would find easily in a book somewhere um, or as part of the top 10 bestsellers, you know, like all the books that are- Especially 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, 10 years ago? God, no. Yeah, this is all 10 years ago. Uh, There's a book, what's like, who's the guy? It's talking about the white fragility. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm actually reading that right now. You cannot have a book like that 10 years ago without some sort of questionable comments. Now it's like a necessary resource to read. Yeah, definitely, definitely. As this is a very important part of our conversation about how to make this pivot and why. But these are some of the, the things that we face. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the other thing is that, you know, my current employer, it's a it's an MBA school that's in English, but they also easily could have said no to me because I don't speak German. I, you know, I'm still a, a learner. Mm. Um, but, you know, my boss said, like, I really like your drive and your hustle and, you know, the experience that you bring. And so I think, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think I was able to get this job because of the experience and the qualities that I can bring to the job. Yep. Yeah, that's 100% you. You worked hard for that. And you are cognizant of the things that you need to get done. But also, let's let's also pivot. Not only are you there as like managing a career center, mm. you're now also a life coach. Yeah. Yeah. To keep the story very short, I enrolled in a fundamentals co-active coaching module, literally so that I can learn coaching techniques as a career coach for my MBA school. But then... Sun, like the training was from Friday to Sunday. By Sunday night, I was like, I am transformed. I need to do this whole program. I am going to become a life coach on the side. Like that was not what I was expecting whatsoever. But I was just so transformed because it was just like a like a beautiful conversation that I was entering. And how like eight months later, including a pandemic, I'm actually now completed my training and I am now a co-active coach. And now you're coaching me pro bono, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is the only reason Absolutely. why I agreed to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Free coaching? What? <laughs> yeah. And like my employer is not paying for this. Like this is something that I'm doing on my own mm -hmm. truly because I just want it. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to do this. So let's talk about the, the things that are values that you needed in your career. What was it that fulfillment Ooh. you were looking for? That's a great question. So for me, connecting with people is huge. That's one of my biggest values. Care. Like I think I'm in these two jobs that I'm in because I care so much. I care about people. I care about their stories. Um, I care about, about their success. Yes, about their values. Like without care, I wouldn't really be in these two jobs. You are very invested. Sometimes there are days where you'll message me like, hey, how did that go for you? Like, did you like what? You know, you'll like question like you'll you'll ask me about things that I forgot about my job. I'm like, oh, yeah, you remember that? Because you care about my success. Like I, I personally I feel like it's so genuine when you ask about how I'm doing mm. in my career. There's no like rivalry. There's no jealousy. There's no like, you know, needling for information mm -mm. it's genuinely like i want you to succeed i'm like thank you <laughs> this is why we're each other's hype women yeah i genuinely want you to succeed i do because that's what brings me fulfillment that's your that's your value and is and and i think so many people take that for granted of all like them caring for others right mm -hmm. people don't look at caring for others as like a skill or a value but that is so important Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I and just like you, I also really love storytelling because that's part of like the connecting with people part. But I think I'm getting that value fulfilled through this podcast. You know, I don't get to I don't get to tell people stories in my coaching jobs because that's not what a coach does. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I help navigate someone's story, but I don't do the telling. And so through this like side project that we're doing together, I think that's how I'm fulfilling it. So I think we just covered a lot, Kim. And, you know, I kind of want to just summarize some of the things that we talked about because it's been a lot. It's been an amazing conversation. 
one of the things that you and I both mentioned is having like a support system. I think that's huge. So important. Right. And next episode, we will be talking about that. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Your own support system. (laughs) Good plug. But yeah, like our support system of like, you know, you having a supportive husband. I also have a supportive husband. We have friends. We have connections. We have mentors. All these people around us who are, you know, really going to champion us when we need them. They're going to make those connections when we need them. And yeah, I, I really firmly believe in putting your ideas and thoughts into the universe. I don't really believe that there is a higher being listening, but I think it's just that like the more you put it out there, the more that people are listening and the higher the chances are of something happening. And I think you also start to pick up on cues or you'll see things from different perspectives literally because you said it out loud, right? It's just like this like conscious like change in your brain waves, I think. But I think also not only identifying the support system, you know, you're also held accountable by saying it out loud. Yes. Those people are going to hold yes. you accountable. You know, they That's said so you big. you want, you, you know, it's like you told me you want to do this. So what happened? What are those questions? Like they yeah. will, they will bring it up. They will. We do that to each other. We do. We really do. We push each other. And like we've talked about this in like our pilot episode, I think, where you know, you say that you have these ideas and like I like push us and like we do it. But like you and I consistently check in with each other being like, hey, we said we were going to do this. Why haven't we done it? So like, true. Oh, fuck. That's 90 yeah. percent you, though. <laughs> I am. all. <laughs> but fluff. we hold each other accountable. We do. We do. And I think that's what you need. And also this brings us to our next point to summar- summarize things. What is realistic and what is feasible? Mm-hmm. Because I acknowledge I will be the first to acknowledge again. We do have privileges. I'm not taking anything away. And you know what? If you are someone who identifies with your Raina's colleague about us being a diversity hire or, or, or whatnot, you know what? If you truly believe that, then what's a reason, realistic or feasible thing for you that you have? Right? Because yeah. like, I get it. Not everyone agrees. Not everyone's going to agree with us. But you have to look into your box of chuchkis and see what's in there. <laughs> yep, that's right. Right. How are you going to differentiate yourself? Exactly. If you truly believe, well, this is for your colleague, or this is this person, if you're listening to this, if you truly believe that we were hired as like diversity hires, great. As a white man, go figure out what it is that you need to get done to look different. <laughs> That's me. That, sorry, that wasn't supposed to come out as like a sarcastic clap. Slow I just clap. didn't know how to clap in front of a mic. But anyway, but here, yes. excuses don't. Preach. You can. You can still have your fucked up mindset and we could still disagree but you go and find out what you're going to do different because you cannot hold excuses to other people so what Mm. is it that that realistic and feasible thing within your reach and if it's money that's a problem i totally get that so what are the ways in which you can find free resources what are Mm -hmm. the who are the people that can help you with this Mm -hmm. you know who does a really great job of breaking this down is marie forleo her book everything is figure outable um, Marie, if you're listening to this, we should have you on the show. Um, Put it out in the universe, right up. Put it out in the yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she kind of like really breaks down like how everything is figureoutable. And yes, like your grandparents having cancer, maybe that is not something that you can figure out. But she kind of breaks it down in her book, like how you can change perspectives and like figure everything out. So I do believe that things really everything is figureoutable to a certain extent yeah and you have to find and again if if it's all these resources are just not there you've come down to the bottom of the list you're like it's just not happening then 
you have to figure out what is it the values that you need. So this is going back to our next point. What is it that brings you fulfillment? Because if you if you're like, I want to be Serena Williams and I want to be the next tennis star. Well, <laughs> it, can you or do you just want to play tennis? <laughs> do you just want to be good yeah. at tennis? Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, even if I want to be good at tennis, I don't have I don't have access to shoes or equipment or a, a, a teacher. So what is it, tennis? Or do you just want to be active? Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of like, in other words, like breaking it down into smaller, more realistic, attainable ideas or goals, right? What is it about like wanting to become a Wimbledon star that you want? How can you break it down sometimes people just want to do it for the gram and they want the dress so maybe just go buy the tennis dress <laughs> it's true because you know what yeah. i see this all the time where people are like i want this flashy thing i want to do this job they uphold their lives and they're there and they fucking hate it it brought mm-hmm. them zero joy and zero fulfillment sometimes it was the journey to get there and they could have just stopped halfway because they were already fulfilled at that point. Ooh, yeah, so true. Like, do you really want to be Serena Williams? Like, talk to yourself and be like, do I want to work and train as hard as they do? Do yep. I really? Or Naomi Osaka. Yeah. Oh. Japanese rep. <laughs> <laughs> but like, she's, they are fantastic athletes, but there is a level of commitment and and sacrifice that they need to do, that you need to identify. If, if I want to be there, I have to do these things too, good and bad. Yep. Am I willing to do that? Will that bring me fulfillment? And if it's a no, then maybe you don't want it that you don't maybe. And that's okay. That's okay. And I think people have a hard time with being okay with that. It's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for some people, right? Mm -hmm. Or some people are worried they're not going to look ambitious enough, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, I need to go for these things in life. Do you? Do you really need? Do you really want to be that giant CEO? Right? Do you want do you want this giant? Do you want the Steve Jobs life? Or do you just want to make some cool shit? Yeah, maybe you just want to be a CEO of your own startup, right? Maybe it's maybe it's like you can scale it down and you can still attain that value, fulfill that value. I had a good friend yeah. who was like, okay, I'm going to get here my career. I'm going to be a CMO. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to get my uh, master's in like marketing. And uh, she messaged me the other day. She's like, you know what? It's been five years. I just want a cabin in the woods now. <laughs> She's like, uh, I'm good. I don't, yeah. This is this is not what I want. I'm here. I it's it's fine. It's fine. Do I love it? No. Does this is something I want to do for the rest of my life? God, no. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm okay with just taking a step back now and just being in nature and just not dealing with the daily grind of the BS of being high up at a company. Yeah. And I was like, you know, the 21 year old in us would have been like, what are you talking about? And sometimes it's okay to recognize that your values change in life. Ooh, yeah. That's such a good point. Yep. It's okay to move on from goals and dreams. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Who are you? At the end of the day, it's your life. If anyone's been like, blah, 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 you can't do these things. So it's like, well, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that reminds me, I don't know if you've ever watched Terrace House, but there was a season of Terrace House. I don't remember which location it was, but there was a guy who came onto the show and said, like, my dream is to become an airline pilot, right? So, of course, that season has ended and he's living with his girlfriend that he made from that show. 
and he's like a model and like does all these things except for becoming an airline pilot. And like sometimes when I read comments on his Instagram posts, people are posting like, what happened to your airline pilot dream? How are you not pursuing it? I thought you were going to do it. And like, there's like a troll like that in every post. And I'm like, get over it. Maybe he's over his dream. Like you get over your dream of him becoming an airline pilot. Like, who are you to tell him? Just because he said it on national television and on Netflix and it aired everywhere in the world. But like, who are you to tell him and remind him every day? Maybe he's working on it, like, behind closed doors. I don't know. I don't know why I'm defending someone. No, but, or maybe it's, like, going back to, like, our Wimbledon dream. Maybe they got there, like, this sucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he developed a fear of flying and, like, doesn't want to become that pilot anymore. Or, you know what? Like, some people have some, some stuff in their life that happens and they're like, you know what? This actually looks better. Like, this looks better. Let's, like, for example, you being a career coach, that wasn't, again, it wasn't something you were like, yes, I must do this in my life. This was like yeah. something that happened while you were in your career, while you were yeah, exactly. in the thick of it and you had a conversation and you're like, hold on, this sounds really interesting. I can yeah. pivot and change and go this yeah. route and I'm perfectly yeah. happy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think like that conversation, it was like a realization that all these jobs that I've had in the past, like the commonality was like me getting to talk to people and, um, you know, listen to them, be there for them. So yeah, it was just like this one way that I wanted to achieve that. Right. So let's summarize this basically for everyone who is looking to change their career. And we're, I think we're going to title this as like pivoting your career. I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll find a, an interesting topic or line for this episode. But again, it's yeah. it's we're telling you our stories of how we pivoted our career. Hope that you take this opportunity to ask yourself, are you happy in your career? What is the career that you want? And, you know, have these same conversations in your circle, in your support system. Find out what you what makes you feel fulfilled and what's realistic and feasible in, in your life. Yeah, exactly. And if this is, you know, if I may be so bold and say that listening to our podcast is your turning point, what is your old story that you can kind of close the chapter on? And what's the new story that you can start writing? And how does it look like? What values are you honoring there? Yeah, it's all from coaching, Kim. Uh, can't take credit hold for Hold on, it. hold on. Time out, guys. If you're listening to this, this is a free coaching session right now. Yes, so true. Write this down. This is not free for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But yeah, like if our podcast can be the turning point for you, what's the old story and what's the new story? I'd love to hear that from people. I really would. Uh, rate, subscribe. Listen to us on any of the platforms that you love, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and uh, listen to us next week. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Reyna, and you've been listening to Obsessed with ABGs.